I'm the cycling certified Cicerone, and in this podcast, we take the beer world by bike, traveling to breweries in Washington State to talk to brewers, founders, marketers, and managers to slowly peel back the layers that make up the Washington beer industry. This is your podcast if you want to know how breweries work from the inside, whether you're just a big fan of beer drinking or are considering opening a brewery of your own. It's 2019, and every day, three breweries open in America. We better get riding. This week, I'm at a brewery out in Woodenville, a surprising brewery that made an interesting gamble. It decided to open a production-scale brewery in a market that might not have room for any more breweries of its size. In addition to that, they are choosing to focus primarily on loggers, which is an interesting call. Hopefully they're poised for success, and their head brewer will be giving us all the details today. I'm Andrew Bieber, and this is Washington Beer Talk. All right, so who am I chatting here with today? Uh, Will Fave. At Bosk Brewworks. The first thing I noticed about Bosk, well, okay, first, before we get into that, <laughs> let me tell you about how I got here. I um, So, one of the reasons I emailed y'all mm. was that I am looking for uh, breweries on the east side for east side beer week that's coming up yeah, um, yeah. in, you know, this summer, months months and months from now, but uh, um, but I've been scouting out bike routes for this side of town, mm. um, and it is just, the bike routes over here are stellar. They are... Uh, there is the Sammamish River Trail, which is just like this, like, just perfect highway of, of biking. There's the most beautiful trail ever. And even today, when it's kind of cold, you know, the sun was out and, uh, you know, the air is vaguely fresh, vaguely cow-like and, uh, and just like, just a fantastic ride. And I think that you guys are like kind of on the northern tip of that, which is awesome. And then I just came from Redmond postdoc mm-hmm. to do that. So I'm over here exploring and I really think this is just like a great spot. So I emailed you guys. Um, having never been here before, yeah. I've actually never been to Bosk, and like, unfortunately, that's sort of the truth. That for all the beer I drink and all the breweries I go to, two point seven breweries open a day. It's hard to keep up, and yeah. <laughs> uh, there's just no way to keep up. Yeah, and um, and so yeah, in the last two years in Washington alone, two hundred breweries have opened up, and if I go to one new one a week, I'm still in the hole by a lot. So yeah, I'm um, so sorry to say I've never been here before, but having been here now. I'm amazed by how huge it is because no brewery opens up now with this much um, with this much stainless. I think that's those are the two usual reactions we get. Yeah. I think anytime I'm in the tap room, people first thing they do is come and see the brewery and go, "All right, you know, go big or go home." I guess, right? And yeah. Then, uh, and then, yeah. Oh, we've never heard of you. Which we are still pretty new. You yeah. Know, starting out production in the end of May, and then grand opening for the tap room was July. So yeah. we are still new and there's a lot of breweries out there and trying to get your beer out there is, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's a challenge it for is, sure. It is. It's, yeah. So well, we will talk all about that and how, how you guys are trying to overcome that. Um, let's see. Um, is, so you mentioned, I think right before I turned the mic on that boss, you know, started off in mm-hmm. the garage yeah. is, uh, I'd been hearing of a garage brewery over in this area for a while. There's is, a couple. Is this the same one, or is there another one that I'm trying to think of? There's a couple. Um, uh, the one that comes to mind is uh, it's Lost Bear, huh. and uh, which they make killer beer. Um, 
they're doing a lot of IPAs and saisons. Mm-hmm. So I know he's doing it out of a garage. And then there's a now I'm blanking on the name, but I think they do all English style ales. Is it Funky Noggin? Yes. No. Yeah, that's it. Okay. I, and he's out of the garage, I think, okay. isn't he? Um, I, that, that that might be the one that I'm trying to think of. Um, so okay, so this brewery started off in the garage, as many do. Kind of, yeah. Okay. I mean, it was it was beer wasn't being distributed mm-hmm. at that point. It was more of a you know piloting beers and mm-hmm. such as that. It's actually easier to move your license from locations than it is to just get a brand new one. So mm-hmm. uh, what would probably have been a nightmare or at least a little difficult to get this all licensed and ready to go. Uh, moving it from his garage was a whole lot easier. Uh, but that was before I came on. But that's, I know that was a lot easier for him to do. But yeah, so I guess a lot of guys are doing it out of their garage and actually, you know, you can find their beer out there. That wasn't quite the case, but it was all set up to brew beer and it was an official brewery, so. Okay, so before we get into like what Bosk is and talking mm-hmm. a little bit more about what's going on here. Uh, let's talk about you, Will. So mm-hmm. um, you are the head brewer here. You're not the founder of the brewery, no. but you like you definitely have some beer background. I bet you got a good story to tell. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I got my start at Lagunitas, actually. So uh, I, I grew up in Los Angeles and uh, I started as a home brewer, like, I mean, almost everybody. Like everyone. You know, and the obsession began. Yep. And so... Uh, at the time, there was like not much really going on in LA as far as breweries go, but I bugged everyone that was there if I can get a job. And uh, through certain circumstances, I was able to land a, uh, a cooking job actually at Lagunitas. Mm. And so moved up to Sonoma County and started working there and bugged the right people for a while and got an opportunity to uh, get into the cellar there. And okay. from there, just kept on moving up. So I worked at Lagunitas for a few years and then uh, went on to work at Seismic, which is uh, another startup, big startup <laughs> uh, in Sonoma County. It was uh, actually Kendall Jackson. It was uh, his sort of pet project. Mm. Um, and I worked there for a little while and then now I'm here. Okay. Um, usually I say these kind of questions towards the end. But uh, since you worked at Lagunitas, mm-hmm. what is your, like, so they're owned by Heineken now. Were you working yeah. there when it was a Heineken brewery? I was. I was, uh, I was working there a while before that. And I remember that we had the chatter going around about mm. some kind of sale for, we didn't know what, but we knew that something was kind of yeah. going down. And then it started with the 50-50. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, and then it was about a year, I think, after that. Okay. It was announced as the full... Buyout. But I actually would like it if you could, if you could tear into that story a little bit. I, yeah. um, I normally I'd try to get to know you a little better before I start <laughs> asking you about all these uh, Heineken related stuff. But uh, yeah, can you tell us the story about how what that really felt like and what that what those the secret chatters were and some of the stories maybe you have from that time? Uh, yeah, for sure. Like I, I would say, I mean to be completely honest, the secret chatter before was everyone was pretty worried, mm-hmm. you know, because there's so many buyouts happening and it leaves you kind of wondering what your situation's gonna be, what the beer is gonna be at that point, you know, and we didn't know who was coming in, you know, assumed it wasn't InBev, but. Why would you assume it wasn't InBev? Or are you just hoping? Strategically, it wasn't, I, yeah. I think for all of us, we knew it wasn't gonna be where they would go into. It seems like they kind of, their purchases are like, 
by region to yeah. kind of get that, and we just didn't make sense yeah. regionally. Do they own anyone in a California region? I mean, like, uh, yeah, they own. Uh, what was it Golden Road? Golden Road. Golden Road in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I think I, that's InBev. I, I guess I've got a pretty good. Okay, that sounds about right. I'm trying. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard to keep the entire encyclopedia of AB InBev acquisitions in my head at all times. I think Golden Road sounds right. Um, I'm mixing their logo up with Devil's Backbone, but that's like Virginia area or DC area. Yeah, area. yeah. Uh, anyway, okay. So but, they do probably own someone in California. Um, yeah, they do. So they don't and necessarily need Lagunitas. No, and we had. Yeah, we had just, so we had Chicago, and then we had just started doing the Azusa plant, which mm. was, I mean, gigantic, going to be gigantic. Um, so we weren't really, yeah, we weren't really sure what was going on, and then they did the, like, Tony came in and did yeah. the whole, you know, this is what's happening, it's 50-50, I still have control, you know, nothing's changing except our distribution's going to get huge. We're going to get into Mexico, basically. It was like, he was really shooting to be one of those craft breweries that really had an international mm -hmm. like thing going on. And that yeah. was going to help us because Heineken's the biggest one yeah. really internationally. Uh, I read um, a couple years ago, I read Tony McGee's book, mm -hmm. the one, that, you know, uh, the Lagunitas Tale or whatever. I forget what it was actually called, but he wrote this really book. And it, was, it was a really great book. It's super compelling. I absolutely read it cover to cover in a couple of days. And, um, and he's this like charismatic figure and a great writer and yeah. uh, and just a funny person. So Lagunitas has like, um, and sorry, we're taking this story about of Bosque down on Lagunitas Road, um, but a uh, a but yeah. Anyway, he he's the guy who wrote all the silly tales like on the beers and is I mean like Lagunitas a, is definitely like I no one can like discount the fact that that beer is largely reputation of how insane that brewery is and a lot of the writing in it and just you know anybody takes a tour there you know you, you're going to hear about us being shut down by the fbi you're going to hear about all that stuff like, wait what's that story all the whole undercover shutdown investigation that they there's the, they didn't believe that you know there's no way this brewery setting up and this big and being successful you have to be a front for weed and then everyone that worked <laughs> there were you know potheads and yeah so they had undercover fbi agents there <laughs> trying to shut them down and they did shut them down <laughs> wow oh so gosh. there's the the year that might have been beer. in a book it was a while ago i read it <laughs> i'm sure it is yeah. somewhere i i have a copy of that book from they you get a signed copy when you become an employee oh. at least when i was yeah. <laughs> starting i don't know if still but heineken's not out there signing copies for you anymore i don't think so <laughs> uh, but uh yeah i mean it's definitely built on reputation and so that's I guess that fear also is when you have a brewery that's sort of defined itself as like the, the outsider, mm -hmm. you know, the edgy brewery. Um, and now you are owned by a very large brewery. It's like, are you still yeah. the edgy brewery? Uh, you know? Yeah. And we sort of justified it to ourselves. Like, well, Heineken is from, you know, yeah. They, they, what are they, Belgian? Uh, what, what are they really? They're not actually Amsterdam, German. Yeah. So, you know, weed's cool there. Yeah. So, you know, we're <laughs> still cool. Yeah. Still. <laughs> we're still edgy. Yeah. But and then and then later though comes the um the the hundred percent buyout. What was yeah. that? What was that like? That's was that not just, much different. Yeah, just e equally kind of devastating or uh no, or, no, or no, equally I'm, are we still edgy or or what? I mean I mean, at that point, you've been in it for a year. You know, it's yeah. going on. It's like, I don't think it was a surprise. It was yeah. like, I, in a way, it kind of felt like, yeah, that was coming. You yeah. know, so at that point, what did 
kind of been going on. Yeah, nothing felt different. I mean, it's it's. I don't I don't want to like speak ill on like yeah. <laughs> a former employer, but I know that definitely the changes have come along since I've left. I mean, they recently laid off like I think it was twelve percent of yeah. their employees in like one day. Yes. And I was I was on vacation with a couple of the guys that still work there and that was our whole last day of vacation was phone calls like do I still have a job like what's uh, going on and it's like that's kind of a bummer yeah um, but I don't think that's necessarily like a, a Heineken thing I think that's more what most large breweries of you know are kind of facing right now which is a decline in growth and sales and yeah you know that I mean, I wouldn't even give the large breweries that much credit and say that it was a decline in sales. I bet it's more to do with, and this is like, it's probably giving the large breweries more credit. It's that fact that they're just bigger and a bigger organization can run a little more efficient, efficiently on a scale. Like you're, like, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, the Lagunitas brewery doesn't need to have its own accountant when Heineken has accountants. Yeah. Like that I mean, kind of stuff, d- so. d- that's definitely a part of it. Cause yeah. I think a lot of people that got kind of laid off were, salespeople which yeah. you have heineken now so yeah exactly you you know, sales so i think it's, it's it's part of that but i mean when i was there i remember we were in that moment where it was like 30 percent growth like every yeah. year and it just kept going and we were like we're just going to keep getting bigger and bigger everyone thought that and then the next year it was like uh you know maybe not quite 30 percent, but we're okay and um i think a lot of breweries Lagunitas included. I mean, you look at Azusa. That's a that's a big investment, a lot of growth. And uh, then when you don't continue that growth, mm-hmm. you know, you have to make changes. I, I mean, I just read like Deschutes had to stop. They were going to open up on the mm-hmm. East Coast, and they had to kind of put the halt on that. Yeah. So I think it's all it's complicated for yeah. sure. Um, I was reading recently in like I don't know. A, six-month-old edition of, I think, the whatever that Brewers Association magazine they send out once a, you know, once a quarter, about how year over year, craft brewing is growing at some alarming rate. But if you look at the number of barrels being brewed, they're all going to these new breweries that are opening. So if three breweries open a day, and each one of those brews 500 barrels a year, mm-hmm. then like, that's a shitload of growth, but that's not yeah. going to anybody who already exists. Yeah. So that's like... That's one way to look at that kind of that kind of slowage there, which so it's good for good good for craft brewing and good for beer drinkers, but not necessarily good for the big breweries. It's good for variety, yeah. and it's good for anybody who really wants to keep trying new things and yeah. going to new places. Uh, probably for anyone who has a a larger brewery, it's you know they're probably feeling the heat a little, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you ever look back and sort of, um, I guess not resent's not the right word, but do you look back and are you annoyed with other breweries get acquired? Uh, like, do you, what do you think of the new Lagunitas location at, at where Hilliers used to be? If you know, that, oh if yeah, you, yeah, if they were, <laughs> yeah. Like, do you know? Like, what do you, what do you think of that now? What do you think? What do you think of your former employer now? As as far as you know, just big guy versus little guy stuff like that. I think I'm a little less of the, uh, you know fuck that kind of guy yeah. <laughs> you know I, yeah. I was i was pretty against it for a while and then you go through it and um i don't know there's pros and cons to everything I mean, you could work at a small place that's independently owned and it could still suck yeah you know does just because a place is small doesn't mean it's gonna yeah. be run right or that you know everyone's doing the right thing i think that's kind of a misconception and big places can do it right too did lagunitas do it right i don't know it's debatable um 
like I said, I, it's weird kind of talking ill of a former employer. Um, they, I mean, they gave me my start and I learned a lot of great stuff there. Um, I don't agree necessarily with how they're going. I don't agree with the Seattle location. I don't, that's kind of just a personal standpoint of, you know, satellite mm-hmm. tap rooms opening up. I'm what not, do you mean by that? I, I, I get kind of called out for being the, the grumpy old dude on this one. I, I, and I, it's just, I feel like if you're doing a production brewery, like part of what you do is sell beer to accounts and those accounts sell your beer and, you know, you have that relationship. And so if you are going outside of where your production is and opening up a tap room here and a tap room here, like you're almost competing with your own accounts. Hmm. And I feel like, you know, just... You know, do you want to compete with those accounts? Like, do you want to, like... Yeah. I, I want them to be able to sell our beer, but if we're selling beer there, then it's kind of taken away from them. Hmm. Um, it's not, you know... I, I say that to some people, and they're like, what is, what is wrong with you? No, it works. Like, and it does. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of breweries that are doing that and are killing it. Um, I personally, it's not a model that I admire. Okay, okay, so we're going to talk, now let's transition to, <laughs> to a, good, a proper topic. Um, you were talking about how Lagunitas gave you your start, yeah. and now you're here at Bosque. So yeah. what did that transition look like? What was the journey there? So I was working at Seismic, which was another small startup of a 60-barrel brew house. So I, I guess I have a little bit of a history of working at big places yeah. at this point that are starting out. But uh, I was working at Seismic, and Cliff who is the owner of Bosque, was looking for a brewer. He had a consultant at the time that was kind of helping him source the brew house and get things going and was looking for a brewer. Uh, his consultant I knew, and I guess one of the things that Cliff was looking for was he, he really wanted to be logger forward. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of loggers at Seismic, and so that kind of background made it like, well, why don't you talk to this person? And so yeah. I got set up. I was also looking to get out of California at that point. So mm-hmm. why was that? All, we had just gone through the fires. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, multiple reasons, but once you kind of go through something like that, it was like I, I don't want to do this. You know, yeah. I wasn't sure if I had a house for two weeks. So, um, and I know a lot of people who lost their house, and that was sort of as prices went up and things were getting weird. It's like maybe it's time we finally leave the area and uh so that all kind of fell at the same time and i interviewed for the job and got it and then i think it would happen so quick it was like a month later i was trying to find a truck to move all my stuff up here and get here <laughs> nice so what, what does that feel like i mean you so you're the like the head brewer here uh there was no previous head brewer cliff no, was the head no. brewer before when he was brewing out of his own garage um so when you show up and they say, hey, welcome, you're the head brewer now, um, here's some stuff, go make beer. Like, what is that? Like, is that how we that... We didn't even, we didn't even get, we weren't at that point. I mean, I came in and the, uh, we had just done the floors and the tank. I had come in to pilot batch some beers in January when, I mean, tanks were this, none of this existed. Mm-hmm. Tanks were just, had been delivered. Floor, I think, was torn up and we did a pilot batch here and uh, on the Sapco and um, so when I got here, it was sort of like we had tanks put in place, everything's being built, and it was like, put this brew house together. So I spent, I don't know, like two months really either 
trying to put this brew house together that was shipped here and then working with welders to kind of make things our own. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was interesting. It was, it was stressful as all hell, but also really cool to be able to kind of, once you can step back and be like, I can kind of make this how I want it yeah. to be. And we did that. And yeah. So, so it, it's, it's to me kind of funny. I mean, like, I think there's a story here about you get to be, you're, so you're hired on as the head brewer. So like, it's not your brewery. Like no. you know, people open breweries and they want to, they want to brew beer and then they wind up having to hire a head brewer to yeah. run their, to brew their beer while they run a business. So home brewers are always sad when this happens. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, so it's not your brewery, but then you come in when it's getting built and like, you know, you're the only head brewer who's ever been here. It might as well be your brewery. You're brewing beer. You, you know, like, are you, are you, you can tell me this. Are you living the dream right now? Like, is that just like the way to be? Is that the way to make it happen? I mean, the way, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely have ownership of the place in yeah. like that I take pride in everything. Yeah. Like, you I don't like have a major a, stake in it, kind of. I have a stake in it and just, you know, I want to see it succeed. I, you know, it's, yeah. you know, recipes I've been making. And Obviously, you wouldn't be here chat with me if you didn't. Exactly, think exactly. Of, yeah. I don't have a financial stake in it other than yeah. I get a, you know, a paycheck. But yeah. um, I, I it, in a way, I would say it's a dream, like that yeah. I'm, I got the opportunity to be able to do you know, make beer and design a brew system and do all that without having to figure out how the hell I'm going to raise the capital to do that. Mm. So that's that, pretty yeah, cool. There you go. Thank you, Cliff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you, uh, okay. So yeah, you already, you already to told me a little bit about your sort of journey, you know, your uh, Lagunitas uh, into seismic into here. Mm -hmm. um, but for people who are, we want to want to follow in your footsteps, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you got into Lagunitas years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you sort of told a tale of breaking into the beer industry, you know, getting a job at Lagunitas and then weaseling your way into the tavern. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, there's plenty of other people who would love to be a head brewer at a brewery like this sure. uh, and be in your position. Is there any advice you'd ever give anybody to try to follow your trail? I mean, I, if you want to do it, I would say anybody who's looking to do it, just there's so many breweries out there that there's work and just go get into a place and start working. Um, I can't imagine coming into something like this or even smaller, like from the home brewer to now. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, would, I would be pulling whatever hair out I have left, like just trying to figure out things on the fly and making mistakes. It's like, it's already hard enough with experience. Like, yeah. So I think if you're looking to get in the industry, like go out there and, try to find a job and just work your ass off. You know, that's, it's not much to it other than like, if you're willing to do the work, things will come to you, you know? I suppose that's good advice for anybody. <laughs> I think that goes across the board for, yeah. I think any, any industry, but I mean, obviously the dream for most people is to have their own. And yeah. to be, you know, you want to do your recipes, you want to do, you know, have it be your vision. But um, there's a lot to be said for working at a place and really learning the ins and outs of a production facility versus, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a huge difference between like what you do on a homebrew level versus what you do on a professional level. Yeah. I mean, clearly beer is beer and it's the same process, but you know, the, the details and the, the process on a larger scale is a whole different beast and kind of learning those fundamentals at a 
established place is is definitely beneficial. Yeah, uh, um, totally. Um, okay, that makes sense. Sounds good. I um, let's talk about the Bosk like brand. I don't know mm -hmm. what Bosk is. Is Bosk and uh, someone's name or a German for bear or like I don't know. <laughs> Uh, it's like a small forest, I believe, mm. is the actual or small wooded area. Mm. Okay. So, Woodenville. That's ah, clever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I thought it was German for a while, and, uh, what, yeah, uh, and someone, someone told oh, it's, it's old English. Like, oh, shit. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know what you got to do? Oh, okay. Wait, wait. I had a good question, uh, which was, what does the interview for being a head brewer look like? Like, did you come in and say, like, here are some samples of things I've brewed. No. Well, it was <laughs> mine was over the phone, but don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone I know is like, just don't, don't do that. There was like a Jeremy Marshall, like when I was bugging his ear, like all the time at Lagunitas, he actually had like a printout that he's, cause he would get emails every day for people like, want to be, want to be a brewer. So I'm here, hire me. And he was like, here you go, read this. And I think one of the things in there was like, you know, please, if you're going to do it, don't bring me your homebrew don't bring me your award-winning porter i get it like <laughs> it's just not necessary um because again it's like it doesn't matter yeah. it really doesn't like it's i got chewed out and i made like i remember my interview for lagunitas it was like the two like higher up brewers there uh it was the one who ran cold side one who ran hot side and i was interviewing with the cold side one hot side guy staying there and I think in like on the resume or something, I put like, you know, strong knowledge of the brewing process. Yeah. And that's when he chimed in, who was like the scariest dude ever. And he was like, all right, well, what are the three ways to implode a tank? And I was like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. And he was like, well, why? Then you're a liability. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's like something like that where it's like, oh, I, I I never thought of that. Yeah. I don't. I don't know those things. You don't know you jack know. shit if you're just a homebrewer. I can think of one or two, but what are the three? So. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, so what are the three ways to implode a tank? If what you are the now? three ways? Yeah. Uh, or if that's even such a thing? Oh, it's totally a thing. I've seen it happen. Oh, <laughs> um, positive pressure. Don't be pulling a tank. Uh, you know, we have no head pressure. Uh, drastic uh, temperature changes and uh, caustic and CO two. That'll, uh, that'll do it. Okay. So those are your, <laughs> and I guess there's the, uh, there's the fourth way that someone threw at me, but I just don't see it possible where it's like somehow you pull a suction uh, with your blow off. I've, I've, I don't know. You're in trouble. Yeah. You're in trouble off. big oh, time if that happens. Wow. And then someone said something about putting a tank underwater and I was like, now nah, you're just getting ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's funny. But uh, I, I, I guess that was a tangent, but the interview, that was a pretty standard interview. Yeah. Like, well, what's one way that you uh, overcame a hardship at your previous job? Or yeah, exactly. <laughs> shit like that. Um, you know, ways you would try to make the beer better if you came in. Yeah. Um, there was like discussion of like styles that I would want to brew or like what my favorite stuff to brew is, but yeah. Mm. Um, it's pretty standard. Well, so you said that Bosk was looking to brew lager lagers and stuff, yeah. and so and you were apparently you know 
pointed out because of your proficiency in that for yeah. whatever reason um, at seismic. Yeah. And uh, so when they come in and say, what kind of styles do you want to brew? Are you just like, well, lagers, duh, that's why I'm here, right? Like, what is that? No, uh, <laughs> I did. I, that, that would have been the smart thing, I guess. Yeah. But no, I, I, I like uh, like saisons and farmhouse style ales like that. So I, I threw that out there. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, I, I love lagers. And yeah. I think that was already pretty evident within the interview. And um, so, yeah, I was totally down to brew those. Yeah. Um, I would want to brew those anywhere I'm at. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those are, those are my, I really enjoy making those too. It's kind of like they fall in the same category for me, like as far as brewing, because it's still striking that balance. Of, yeah. You know, they're, they're more subtle beers sometimes, even though they're like huge esters with the, yeah, with the yeast. It still works kind of the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the idea is to, <laughs> they're, they're sort of the same in that they're, they're, they're like, they're, yeah, <laughs> like, or maybe that's just in my head. They, they live in they the are, same world. They like, have to be well done in order to work, right? Like you don't get to just, you can't just throw more hops in it and call them both. Solved. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, cause you know, if you make a Saison that isn't dry to me, it's not a Saison at that point And it loses the yeah. thing that makes those things great. It's dry and crisp and um, yeah, they're, they are on the opposite scale, but it kind of is still that same working with subtleties and yeah. the process of it is big with it, you know, because there's also a lot of those great saisons are really simple recipes. Mm -hmm. So out here in Woodenville, so we, you, what you guys, you guys are in a very funny spot because you are, uh, like you're in Woodenville's little beer district. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's also sort of the wine district. This is probably, if, there, if only there, if only if it was easy to walk here, this would be amazing. Yeah. Um, it is easy to bike here. Uh, it's up a small hill. We got we got <laughs> distilleries too. It's yeah. like all sorts of you guys alcohol, got it. Yeah, you got cider, it everything. Oh man, they get it. Uh, yeah, there's Locust Cider, Dirty mm -hmm. Bucket, Twenty Corners, Triple Horn. Mm -hmm. um, I'm probably forgetting one. Um, oh, there's B. Well, we used to be B side. What who are they now? Uh, B side used to be right at the hill. Crucibles over here. Yeah, yeah Crucibles right around the corner too. Black um, Raven's about to open their big. You're kidding. Yeah, Black Raven's going to open, I think, a 30 barrel. I think it's that's oh, what I heard. Jesus Christ. They're, oh, my God. Okay. Well, you know, should have known. They're a uh, little tiny. Like, their tap room over in Redmond is, uh -huh. you know, is amazing. I've been going it's there for five cool. years. Yeah. And uh, they, uh, and of course, it, you know, that's one of those places. It's, it's a huge tap or a huge tasting room. And then you go to the back and there's secretly this whole brewery back there. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. And now they're like, I don't know. In the, I know they're certainly in the top 25 biggest brewery in Washington, um, I think at the top 10. So they were just, they have this, like, I don't know, uh, napalm ready to ignite uh, brand that just Seattle would love, yeah. loves already this like Black Raven edgy, you know, yeah. thing. And, uh, and so it was just a matter of time before they opened their 30 barrel brew house somewhere. And uh, it should be happening soon, from what I heard. Well, yeah, who knew? I did not know that. That is cool. Uh, I'll have to check I hope out. I didn't like. Disclose something. Yeah, I'm, I all, I'm always looking for. Hey man, we told you that in secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's you know got a press release somewhere on it's the, out there Washington yeah. Beer Blog or whatever. Um, they uh, anyway. So I was gonna say though, like you are, you know, you're in this in this beer destination, right? Mm -hmm. With all these breweries around. So your tap room should be a spot that people actually come out to. Um, and uh, it'd be really cool to be like a little, if you were a small brewery nestled in one of these little places, mm -hmm. you probably could, like, you could totally survive just on the fact that you're in a, now a yeah. tourist spot. 
uh, your brewery is clearly not set up to be a taproom only brewery. No. Um, it's, first of all, impossible to find. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it, Google Maps to, leads you to the wrong place. Yep. Um, at least it led me to the wrong place. I saw the sign, but there's a, like the out front. But we're then, really trying to get, like, if the taproom's closed today, but when we are open, we try to get as much there's just signage, signage out everywhere. there. Okay, good. Like, almost doing the Google, like, all right, turn here, turn here, turn here. Because, yeah. yeah, we, I, I can't figure out the damn Google Maps and how yeah. they can, because it wants to go to the next. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It um, the trick for me was that I rode in. I saw your sign, and before Google had told me to turn, I turned left into the, into this park, and then this industrial park or whatever you would call this region, and it was a sign A B C D, and under C is Bosque, and I was like, huh, okay. So I came through, didn't see that it just kept on coming down. So yeah. I rode down the length of A. And then Google was like, turn left. I'm like, what? There's nowhere to turn left from. So I got back up on the road. I almost made it here. Got back up on the road, <laughs> went around the other side, rode down the lane of wineries, opened up Google Maps. I can see it goes, it goes winery, winery, and then there's this narrow alleyway, and then Bosque. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just, I see. I clearly just went by this alleyway, and I need yeah. to go down that. So I come back around, alleyways, dead end, doesn't go anywhere. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. So back up all the way around. And then when you get into the area, when you get into the proper spot, A, B, C, D, Bosque is on C, you're riding down. There's A, this big old building, and you ride past it looking for C. And then the next building you see, D, <laughs> just completely skips B and C. So I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm like riding down, like, okay, well, C has got to be nestled back here. And thankfully, as soon as you make around a corner, you see all those big Bosque signs. So you can't get too lost if you know you're in the right industrial park. But like, anyway. Yeah, it's, it's been problematic, I, for sure. Yeah. Um, people find this, but I'm sure there's been few people that have been you know oh, fuck this yeah i would if i was getting that i tried to find some winery around here and it did the same thing to me though where i yeah. was just like where the hell is this thing like so like, we're really trying to yeah get that fixed yeah um but i suppose my point is that um whether or not you actually do that this is set up to be a production spot yes so you guys must have do you have a fleet of salesmen out here just like pushing beer everywhere you can <laughs> got a very tired salesman right now yeah very tired salesman just one <laughs> just, just one, one person <laughs> just one we had yeah we had two and now we have one um yeah we're we're looking to i mean we need to but to bring in someone else and uh, there's, there's the distribution talk and oh yeah so uh, we have the ability right now it, it it's it is huge can't deny that but it's really built to be able to grow yeah versus like we're not necessarily pumping out the volume right now that it looks like it could pump out yeah but it's it's set up so that within the next few years we can keep growing comfortably and not have to you know, go through construction again or buy a new brew house or find a new location. Yeah. You know, we, we have glycol piped in to put in new tanks if necessarily, but even that's probably a few years down the road. Yeah. So that we really just wanted to avoid having to go what happens to just so many breweries, which is, you know, you get like the three barrel system and then you're like, Oh, I need a bigger system. And then you get yeah. a seven barrel system. You're like, well, shit, we're still growing. We need to get a 20 barrel system. It's like, yeah, that's just a nightmare. So yeah. Let's okay. So what you've done is a, rather than the like 
rather than the like organic growth model, mm. um, for lack of a better term, where you you do that, you you buy what you can, then you push out of it, and then you yeah you grow out of it, and you shed your shell yeah. like a like a little brewery lobster. Um, you have just gone full bore for it for the big guy, and uh, okay, and, and like I, that's something that that is that is advice from every big brewery I've heard. Every yeah. brewery that has a thirty barrel brew house says. Motherfucker, wish we should wish we had bought a thirty barrel brew house off the bat. Well, I remember it was uh, I worked at Seismic with a guy from uh, Russian River, and I guess one of the things that uh, Vinny always said that's his piece of advice was like, if you're going to open up a brewery, don't bother unless you're going to go twenty barrel. Hmm. Expect to pay at least a million to start and open up at twenty. Otherwise, you're wasting your fucking time. Hmm. So that was his advice. Yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah, I mean, we we went a different model than I think is what's kind of been happening within the last few years. Is like we really took it as a production model. Yeah. We have a tap room, but we're very much production oriented. Versus, I think a lot of breweries now are getting a smaller system and go, well, we're going to sell the majority of our beer through the tap room. Yeah, you know, with outside accounts, we you know we got a sale guy here and there, but yeah. we sell most of our beer through the tap room, and that's a big model that. We just didn't go that route. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll find out if that was the uh, the wrong gamble. But uh, so I think you know, with people kind of used to now, like so many people go to like tap rooms and breweries these days, and they're used to seeing that small, you know, brewery with the huge tap list, and they're you know rotating every week. And so definitely, when you come here and you see a startup that is a larger system, you go, oh, yeah, okay, that's. But it's not the same model. It's, yeah, you know, it's we're coming from a different place. So here's what I think. Um, I, I think that most breweries are opening up this tap room model. I think there's plenty of room for them to open up with just yeah. tap room. And I've heard advice from tons of different brewers. I've asked because I've asked the same question of, of everybody. Um, you know, and I've heard the people say do 20 barrels or mm -hmm. don't bother. Yeah, I've also heard people say no, do seven barrel. Get a couple of fourteen barrel, fourteen mm -hmm. barrel fermenters for your IPAs, and then a bunch of seven barrels for all your other silly stuff. Yeah, and then just do whatever you want and have a taproom only brewery, or like even smaller people who are like, yeah, I've got a two barrel system in my in my upstairs, and mm -hmm. I brew every beer I want, and I pay my rent, and it's just me and my you know and my dogs. Yeah, and uh, and like that is there. There's lots of models out there that can be successful. This one is a high risk, high reward. Absolutely, and uh, and but so, you know I. I I, you could almost make the argument, like, and I, I love the variety that's going on. I love everything that's been happening. Like from a from a beer drinker standpoint, you, you know, it's been great because you're getting so many different beers, so many new exciting beers out there. And I love the like the the model of the small brew house with the tap room sales. Like it's it's really cool, um, and it's been successful. But we haven't really seen like on that large of a scale with so many people doing it, what the longevity of that is. Yeah, you know, like a few years from now, is that, that going to work? Down. You know, yeah. that could break down. Like that's still sort of banking on the fact that you're going to have this huge interest in something new every week. Yeah, you know, like yeah, there's a lot. Of, so there's risks. There is no like I I hear that from certain people like that you know opening up a brewery is like oh, it's a no brainer. It's like there's fucking risk in every aspect. It's Whatever no model you do, <laughs> even the small I did it in my garage. Who knows? Maybe you're pissing your wife off and she doesn't want you doing that anymore. There's <laughs> risk in every aspect of opening a brewery. Yeah. So you know, be that, scared. That's fair. Yeah. You hear that, everyone? Be scared. Yeah. It's not as easy as you think it is. Fuck no. Um. Um. Here's what I hope for Bosk 
is that it will be a, since you are a lager-themed production brewery, what I need is for every time I go to a freaking bar, I need there to be a Bosque lager on tap. So, uh, you know? You know, which, so I came in, let's do lagers, let's go for it. In the back of my head, I'm thinking, like, we'll probably be, you know, a year later brewing all IPAs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we did it at, we did it at Seismic. I remember, like, we were like, Kolsch is going to be our flagship. Yeah. Yeah, you know, come on. Yeah, you know, and it they still brew coals, but yeah, it's not the flagship. But we have had the opposite. It's it's actually surprised me where our number one seller has still been the Pilsner. Like people buy the IPA, it's cool. In the tap room, it's different. Yeah. Tap room, it's IPA is still king. Yeah. Um, but our two top sellers have been our Pilsner and our Black Lager. Oh. And we get those. Does have a Black Lager in there? It's in the fermenter. It's not available right now. No, it's not. <laughs> That's trust me. I, you know, people are pissed at me about that one. The, the regulars that come in the tap room, they're like, "Oh, where is it?" It's just yeah. I was just gonna say, I was going to beg you to, if you're gonna be the you know the lager brewery you all need, mm-hmm. but not the lager brewery you deserve. We uh, or however that Batman line goes. Um, <laughs> if you're gonna be the lager brewery we deserve, you have to please brew a Schwartz beer or like a black lager because yep. I just love that shit so much and nobody nails it and nobody nobody does it the way that I want. <laughs> Not that it matters what I think, well, but like I just want one. I want one everywhere I go. Yeah, um, uh, we that was that was uh, that's what I came out here when I got the job. Did the recipe, came out here, pilot batched the black lager. It's yeah. the first beer we ever pilot batched mm-hmm. for it. Because we wanted to do that. In Sonoma County, where I came from, Death of Taxes is like everywhere, which is, I mean, he'll kill you if you call it a Schwarz beer. Yeah. You know, it's black lager. But it's a Schwarz <laughs> beer, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, that, so it was like, yeah. All Schwarz th- beers are black lagers. Not all black lagers are Schwarz yeah, beers. Yeah, something like that, right? Yeah. Triangle, rectangle, um, rectangle square. <laughs> So that was, but that was like, that was definitely a style that was like, let's, let, it, yeah, of course, let's do it. And brewed it and thought, you know, that'll be a cool, like, seasonal. Yeah. Or, you know, every once in a while we could brew it. And it's just like, it, people loved it. And yeah, we've got accounts right now that are like, I I'm, can't move fast enough. Which is, again, the one of the problems with a large system like this. You know, we had like a little bit of a lull, so we kind of retired yeast and, sat back for a second and then yeah. it's like firing up is not an easy thing and so it's like now we'll be we're finding ourselves more in the rotation of things so black yeah. lager will be out there yeah quite a bit but yeah pilsner and black lager it, it surprised the shit out of me that it was those those two beers were there's just actually really easy to place new accounts and people are like i got plenty of ipas i got plenty of paleos perfect yeah let's get it in there yep. and sweet i just need a beer that i can drink three of you know, yeah. at a bar. I want to go out to a bar and I want to drink three of these and I don't want to keep buying Rainier Tallboys. Like, I, <laughs> I yeah. love Rainier Tallboys. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> I just really want to buy a freaking craft lager from a brewery that I recognize, a brewery that I know is around the corner. Mm-hmm. Like, that'd be so great. I, I know breweries. I know plenty of breweries that can make good lagers. Yeah. Um, my, my favorite brewery in Ballard is Lucky Envelope. They mm-hmm. brew a Hell's Lager that, you know, Knocks my teeth out every time I have it. I love it so much. I was just in Ballard yesterday and drinking uh, Stoops. Yeah. And their their dunkel was the shit, too. Yeah. They, 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 they brew. Yeah, Stoop doesn't fuck around. Yeah. No, uh, not at all. But <laughs> I mean, there there are good ones out there. And I, I'm i happy that... I mean, I think we make a good one. And I'm happy that people seem to like it as well. And Chuckin' that up in Bellingham. They make yep. them. And 
I'll be damned if I can fucking find them anywhere. Like, yeah, you know, you know I, I, when I first moved here, it was like a few spots. I was seeing it, and now it's like I, yeah. I don't see it as much, which is a shame. But yeah, um, but oh well. I mean, you know what? I can I can find a logger anytime I go to Chuck's or you know yeah. any other bottle shop or Hop and Hound over here. Yeah. I guess since we're in sort of the east side, Hop and Hound is the place to mm-hmm. be. Or even Malton Vine, if you go a little further south, you can find a logger. You go to those places, yeah. and and uh, but no, I just want one at. The bar and off. I want to go to my stupid dive bar, karaoke dive bar, and drink a boss. I'm, you know, I'm right there with you. And I, I like sessionable beers, and we yeah. try to do as much of that as we possibly can. You know, we're not, we have a couple of the higher gravity beers, but we're, we're, we're trying to do sessionable style beers. It falls more, even with our like pale ales, like, yeah, falls in line, I think, with what we're doing overall. But yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, I, I love, you know, big IPAs and stuff like that. But sometimes I just want to have a beer with friends and be out and, you know, you don't have to always like yeah. think about the beer and dissect it and that's your drink. Like sometimes it's just you want a good beer and you want to hang out. Yeah. You want to have a nice night and you want to have a couple of them and not fall on your ass. <laughs> and so we're trying to kind of fill that niche of like... Totally. Speaking of dissecting beers and tasting them, um, I want to talk a little bit about the Pilsner I just finished mm-hmm. off. Um, but before we do that, maybe grab beer refills. I would love to that. do that. Yeah. <laughs> that was Will Lefave, the head brewer at Bosque Brewing Company. The rest of our lengthy conversation will be posted as a bonus episode. In the coming weeks, I plan on experimenting with a few new formats for this podcast. I'll be trying to keep the episodes down to a more manageable 30 to 40 minute length. As you know, sometimes the episodes can get pretty long. If you like the idea of shorter episodes, then leave me a comment or shoot me a message. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you'd rather keep the episodes long, I'd like to hear that too. Thanks for listening to Washington Beer Talk. If you like hearing about breweries, then maybe you'll want to listen to the other episodes, which are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, really anywhere you can find podcasts. Or you can go straight to the source, cyclingcicerone.com, for the full blog posts, which usually include a couple of pictures and a description of the brewery and more episodes. Support the podcast by finding a place to like it. Find The Cycling Cicerone on Instagram or Facebook and give us a follow or a like. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or write us a review. Leave a comment on cyclingcicerone.com or better yet, share it with your friends. All of these little things can help us grow the podcast. Thank you.